0: Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminous Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host, Robert. Hello. We've got a very exciting week. we had the London GT, which used to be considered the uh, that other event in England, but uh, they had over 700 members. And more importantly, uh, Manny Chima, David Gaylard, and Vic Vijay were all in attendance. So had they had an opportunity to seal up the ITC championship? Or did Thomas Ogden have a chance to steal the show at the Michigan GT this past weekend? And um, two other events, including a little fun in Canada, and an honorable mention of, well, when you have an event in Florida, an Art of War guy might just stop by. So we'll take a look at how that all shakes up the ITC Top 10 especially with just a few months left into the season before LVL. But first, Mr. Votan.
1: Well, <laughs> well, uh, are you talking to me? Because I do not have a beard and enough grudges to earn that title.
0: Not yet. Yet is the operative turn. But uh, a gentleman who's uh, equally funny with a beard is uh, James Workshop. And he. Uh, it was very interesting. I, had, I got a good kick out of it, but um, not everybody enter- on the internet was all that thrilled about Games Workshop's apology and of course, a day one uh, nerfing of the Leagues of OTAN. Uh, curious what your thoughts are.
1: Well, with all of the response videos from channels like Gorilla Miniatures Games, Winter SEO, a lot of the more well-known YouTube 40k channels where they were definitely calling GW on crap. Like my my favorite one was probably Winter's where he was sitting there going, oh, here's Admic." And then Drukari and then Custodes, and then Tyranids, and then Votan, trying to get the apology right. And it's, it is a little sour, because here's this super powerful book that, yes, might be a little too powerful off the press but what book... I know people like you, Eric, and Ray, and a lot of older players have experienced that like 3rd edition Eldar, 5th and 6th edition Grey Knights, um, Tau, 7th edition Imperial Knights, that kind of thing where it's just a nutty army and there's no about it, and then you adapt with the amount of balance that comes out now these days. It's a, alright, give it like a month and the army will be nerfed into the ground hopefully. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I get the um, you know you guys are supposed to be professional game designers. Why can't you get it right on the on the first try? Why do we have this um, the conspiracy theory that they did this on purpose so you'd buy the box and then they 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 never intended to have the point values that low, which I thought was pretty uh, pretty hilarious. Um, so I get that, and yes, I am the. The typical folks that are of my age will say, well, I remember the day when a crappy codex dropped and Games Workshop just ignored you and basically figured you got to figure out how to play it. Um, Yeah, well, we weren't all that happy with Games Workshop then. then. And um, so I like to think that, yes, this is an improvement, but at the same point... um, why didn't you get this right? And I thought they did a nice job of kind of peeling back the, the the curtain a little bit in the, and they brought up a very good point. If you're in charge of building any codex, any codex that's the game right now, let's say you're you're in charge of writing it, um, and you got to play against three armies, Tyranids, whatever the new guard is, and demons. How do you think it's going to come out compared to Space Marines and Necrons that came out? two years ago. It's going to be a little more powerful. So, yeah, the Codex Creep is real, and they got a little over over top. The fact that they fixed it, great. Had a little tongue-in-cheek humor with it, fine. Part of me is like, um, I I just think it goes back to this kind of sense of entitlement. Um, You know, I expected more from my company. I'm kind of like going, (laughs) I mean, I I know people make a lot of uh, examples of software, you know, it's not ready on day of release type thing. And I'm like, well, (laughs) it wasn't that bad. You could still play the army. So
1: yeah, it's, I know after our game earlier this afternoon, I was having a discussion with players who are very much newer to never tried to think of a army in a competitive fashion outside of the fact that, ha 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 ha, I can bring as many Meltas and I can shoot whatever I want kind of idea. When you look at Votan as an army, were they aggressively point costed? Absolutely, because stuff was really, really cheap. I, sh- you should not feasibly be able to fit two land raiders plus an extra like fifteen hundred points of an army on a table. But the the taking away of the rule where anything that had a judgment token on it had the hail of doom treatment of you benefit from this, it turns into a six to wound. That rule was probably the thing that put it over the top because you now have. Like the original list that I theorized for myself playing was greater Three. I had Uthar. I had another call. So I was hypothetically able to throw around three to four grudge tokens a turn. So now I was hitting and wounding three or four different units all on numbers I shouldn't be wounding on percentage wise. Right. So taking that away. Okay. That would put the book back into something reasonably powerful because your your grudge token things you still get the auto wound, but it doesn't trigger your additional effect. It just jumps straight to to actually hurting the target. Like how custodes, we have that for a effectively like two turns if we're emperor's chosen, but that takes a specific setup and it's an option that we can take. It's not an automatic mechanic in the army, so. I definitely think it was a whoops of daisies for having that go in there, but when you look at it compared to the amount of transhuman and um, hit modifications that were denied by just going, you can only ever hit me on a four. You can only ever hit me on this number. That kind of stuff being bypassed with a, okay, I I can only ever hit you on a four plus. Well, guess what? My grudge token just says I automatically wound you. (laughs) Like that kind of idea... Gets around a lot of that interaction. Well, interaction denial, where your opponent tries to be as durable as possible because you just go, nope, nope. Automatically, would you don't care? Yeah,
0: I mean, probably is like, still, I want to see it on the table. Yeah, I know a a a previous co-host would have argued he's played the game enough to know oh it was broken just by reading it, and you know some people are better at that than I am. So I'm like, okay, sure, but um. I'm not sure if all yeah. Uh, I still feel the I just blanked on the name of the big tr- the big uh, tank thing. I think three Yeah, the, land, had, fortress. the other land fortress. I think three hundred points is more appropriate for it, considering that the uh, space marine gladiator guys are like those tanks are like three twenty five. I was like, yeah, that seems about right. Um, Two twenty five. I thought was way low. So
1: yeah, and the, like some of the points increases were justified. Like Uthar costing as much as um, Trajan Valoris. He, realistically, I personally feel he should be more expensive with the fact that he can legitimately eat a Volcano Cannon that is that de- can do up to 14 damage on a single wound. Just goes, nah, that's only one damage. Sc-
0: yeah, but then again, if you're firing a Volcano Cannon at a single mob, you know, <laughs> it's kind of oh. like... Uh, <laughs> The idea is kind of like yeah. taking out larger tanks. So.
1: Yeah, but at that point, I am that I should be winning the game at that point if I can even target Uthar yeah. with a volcano cannon.
0: So anyway, I just thought it was hilarious that people were uh, upset about um, the apology. So I was like, okay. Uh, we got a couple of listener emails that came to us, and uh, another uh, content creator, Blood for the Blood Gog, had put out a couple... Uh, suggestions about how to change the ITC rankings Uh, because his concern was I guess he was best in faction prior to the codex he plays getting updated so now there's all these bandwagon jumpers with a brand new codex that is uh, much more powerful and he wanted to get credit for being the hipster before it was cool to play that faction. So I, I give him credit. At least he didn't just spout hate and gave suggestions. But um, so <laughs> what are your thoughts on <laughs> your codex gets updated and now all of a sudden it's everybody's sold out and joined in on the fun?
1: Well, it's, it's hard for me to say that because I've, only, I've made the intentional to only ever play armies that either don't mix well with other people. Or don't have a lot of sub factions that I have to go to another book for. So, and I would assume this is in reference to someone being like, "Yeah, no, I'm best world eaters," and then a, suddenly a whole bunch of other world eaters players <laughs> decided to show up.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I I get it, you know, because um, <laughs> like I'm, I I had the opposite problem right now. So I played uh, Drakari for probably since in the fifth. Uh, their, their book in 6th edition was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it was just a piece of crap. And 7th um, edition, I don't think they ever got an update. So Index 40K was the first time we'd seen an update. And uh, when, so when the ninth edition codex dropped, it was like, oh my God, things actually work. You know, that was our first impression. And lo and behold, it was a little overpowered. And, uh, and so it became awkward, but then it was like, where did all these other Drukhari people come out of the woodwork? I mean, it was mm-hmm. so. It was almost. I almost felt guilty for playing this army. But I'm like, you know what? I put my dues in. The hell with this. And um, that being said, we've had the opposite now. You know, they're they're the other codexes have finally caught up. Uh, they're not the couple of FAQs and nurse down the way have uh, lowered their power level. But um, I was looking at this. If I can win even just a bunch of RTTs before the end of the year. I could be the Nephilim champion for Drukhari, because there's basically only been I don't think there's been a single player in the ITC who's got two ITC results with uh, Drukhari, uh, with the Nephilim package.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that for for people playing um, a faction that has a whole slew of sub-factions within it, so like when we look at Space Marine, and we look at the ITC rankings, they have blood angels and dark and death watch, all of the other books that all the other sub factions that actually have a book of their own as a separate faction. Whereas chaos space Marines, sadly, every single one of their sub factions is tied to one book. It's so the populace is that much more crowded. Um, yes. And no,
0: uh, I agree with you. I still don't understand why they're separate categories because most of that stuff is folded into these space Marine code. Oh, now they're in supplements. But there's no separate award now for Ultramarines or White Scars, so if there's nothing for that. Then why should there be separate awards for Best Alpha Legion Player and all that, and or Best Black Legion Player? That said, I'm still confused on yeah why why they have there's still uh, Agents of Imperium. You know, I'm just like, what? Why is that? Why mm-hmm. is that still category?
1: Yeah, and I I definitely actually believe that the. The splitting of subfactions that have a large majority should be recognized separately. So the so ultramarines and blood angels and dark angels, all of that stuff. Instead of having a uh, (laughs) the this does sound really, really dumb. But if you have a specific subfaction of space marines, you should be ranked as that one. But if you are playing as a space marine, well, guess what? you're now being listed as an imperium faction so everyone else that would bring imperium suit would be fighting against you as well like it, there's not an exact answer that i can come up with because i never really care yeah. about the rankings like sure i would love to have best in a faction of custodies, but the fact that i'm somewhere in the top 100 at least i think i might be wrong in that yeah no as i Ha-ha! i'm 116th i'm close but the the fact of the matter is, is that some it's hard to actually break down the ranking system to something that will make everyone happy. Because if a Chaos Space Marine player is specifically playing World Eaters or Creations of Vile, and they win three RTTs and play swell at a GT, but someone else that's playing Alpha Legion wins two GTs in a major and that person has higher score than them, there's no easy way to break them apart unless you list each sub-faction separately. Okay.
0: Yeah, um, there was there was once a time. <laughs> it's been a while
1: that yeah, had, um,
0: best infection was definitely something I had a chance at. Um, you hit it right on the head. Did I go for best um, Aldari? No, because there was too much competition. I purposely said, yeah, I could probably splash in a few Craftworld units, but I want to see if I can make it for best Drugari, because that's was I had the best chance for. And I came close uh, a couple of years. And I think I was in, I remember one year, I was like top five or top 10 in that range. Um, Yeah, I was top five at Delvio, but top 10 overall. So I get that. And uh, the same reason I know a certain player decided I'm going to buy that Forge World book because I have a chance of being top Corsair player. (laughs) And I was like, not that they had a love for Corsairs. It was, I have a chance of getting a trophy. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. part of me is like, okay, go for it you know, that, that is a motivation. And, um, so could there be a little more fine tuning in the classification? Yes. But I think, um, our, our buddy, Don, who's former co-host here as well, summed it up best in that gentleman's uh, blog comments. Um, you could just get better at the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that is always a good answer. Like I know with my custodes, I could be better at this game where I'm actually able to play for contention of top table of GTs and stuff like that. But I haven't had the years of experience yet to be like, oh, yeah, no, I should be much better at this game. I've only been playing for like four years competitively for like two.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you from experience, having years of experience, um, it's a game you got to keep practicing. It's a lot like golf. And um, my lack of practice showed up in our game today and uh and that i think that's what's probably what's kind of eating at me this is like i had a plan i didn't stick to it (laughs) and um yeah let's let's walk into a wall of flame hey (laughs) i may get burned did the ice cream melt on the way in oh it did oh that's unfortunate so yeah it's one of those things where come on you knew better and um but on the other hand it is and could I blame DICE? Yeah, there was one instance that DICE kind of failed me a little bit, but the game was over already, so um, I, I kind of look at that game and I go, okay, but I learned a lot, so I'm like, okay, I do have, um, first of all, I'm ex- super excited about my list because it, it offered a lot more than I thought it did. Um, even I'll, I'll even say, back in my glory days when I was in contention for a top Drukhari player, you know what derailed it? A game against Knights. At LVO, it was terrible, and I got just trounced. And um, I even think my opponent was inebriated at the time, so uh, yeah. which made it even worse. I was like, you know, shut up, you jerk.
1: <laughs> yeah, our game this earlier earlier this afternoon, I've played less than 20 games of Chaos Knights, and yeah, I choose to not count the first 20 games of my. Of that in my win loss because I'm still learning the army. I'm still learning how to move our gigantic robots across the table and actually figure out how to. Whereas my custodes, I have no reason to push them off to the side because I've played, oh, like almost 150 games with them in just ninth. Yeah. It's, I have no reason to go, God dang it, I made that mistake. Oh, well, it's a, well, I made that mistake and I just lost five bikes to that. I have to live with this mistake. Yeah. So, yeah, it was
0: definitely pretty hilarious, but it was also just, yeah, you take the learning and uh, opportunity and go
1: from there. So yeah, it was, yeah. Got to take the punches in the face sometimes to learn. Lessons. Well, it's
0: one of those. Can I take a punch in the face and can I punch you in the face back? The answer is no and no. <laughs> so, okay. Good to know. And so next time around, you know, just how much, you know, could, uh, there's a couple things. I was like, okay, can, I know I can't take a punch in the face with this army, which
2: probably
0: I kind of knew in the back of my head but um, still wanted to try it I was surprised that I could punch as high as I did so okay mm-hmm. so I just need to be a little more selective and more and more cunning
2: in the setting up the punches so I think I'll be good yeah are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint do paint brushes spontaneously combust when you hold them if either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.
1: Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the necro nom 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 nom, nom to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft cock. So they're from reddukegames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug, who knows either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time. And we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll perils of the warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play indie. So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom, Nom.
2: Hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to KRcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminous Podcast.
1: But anyway, we can ramble on about our game for hours. We have a lot more to cover. We today, do. Let's we?
0: talk about uh what's what's get right into it. Um the, a big, so we talked about four. There's some implications that the ITC could literally be decided uh, as early as this weekend. And um, simply because the top three players from England, uh, Manny Chima, David Gaylard, and uh, Vic Vajay, who we've talked about all season long, have been pretty much nestled in the top five of the ITC all season long. It wasn't until Nova, that Jack Harpster, leapfrogged them for first place. So it looked like uh, the IGC was just going to be an all-British affair. Well, this is their their LVO, the London GT, which has had a um, meteoric rise in a very short amount of time, and um, from some humble beginnings to um, you know just a spectacular event. And they celebrated again this uh, year, uh, seven hundred players, and. It's, it's just mind-boggling because just, they just don't have venues big enough like that in England to deal with that kind of people. So the fact that they were able to pull this off is just um, a testament to Zach Becker and his crew for putting on such a great event. Uh, that said, uh, well, the drama at hand is uh, both Vic, uh, David, and Manny Chima were all in attendance as well as Mike Porter. So very interesting to see how it all shook out. So... Without further ado, Robert, what is our top five?
1: Well, I think I'm actually going to read the top 10 of Palenji, because looking at 10th place, a very familiar name to you, Eric. Oh, yeah. Colin McDade. Yeah, a couple of Americans made the trip. (laughs) So we have Colin McDade in 10th place with Sisters of Battle. We have Gonzalo Raven in 9th with Harlequin. We have Mike Porter. As you mentioned, also with Harlequins in eighth place, with kind of a weird score scenario in round three because he got a zero. So I'm gonna I'm not really sure what happened there, but we can talk about that okay. later. In seventh place we have Dick Vanderharst with Necrons. In sixth place we have Lewis Fitzsimmons with Chaos Space Marine. In fifth we have Juan Bedford Cooper, also with Chaos. Space. Lucas Bernard with Tyranid. In third place we have Vic Vijay with Chaos Space. Second place we have Nassim Fashan. For Shane, I'm assuming that's kind of French, with Tao. And then first place, we have Alexandra, well, I'm assuming it's Alexander Sacco, Emperor's Children.
0: Yeah, so two notable absences that you did not mention. Where's David Gaylard? where's Manny Chima?
1: <laughs> yeah, I... Didn't even scroll down far enough to see them. Uh,
0: 80th and 117th. Now don't go, oh my God, that sounds terrible. Uh, They still went four and two. So um, maybe four and one. They just missed the fight. You needed five wins to get into the top cut. So they -hmm. still had a strong weekend, but um, yeah, unfortunately uh, did not make the final cut. So that's going to be a significant loss in points. So Victor Vijay should uh, leapfrog. But Mike Porter making to the top cut, uh, also really impressive. But then they said all these other names, including a few Americans. What happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because I see that when they went to the top cut, it was a single elimination for the top 21. Yeah, the top 20 players. Yeah. It kind of looks like. It's a little odd there. I was trying to figure that out as well. So, so. And it was a single elimination. So, because the f- bottom one, two, three, four, five people got knocked out. Two of them scored zeros. So, I think they might have been like no shows for the, the top cut day if they ended up having to do it over three days. But yeah, as soon as you get from 16th to 9th is when you lose the second chunk. And then from there, because when you look at the winning scores, the winning scores, the lowest one is is legitimately an 84 for round one. And then in round two, the lowest scoring five. So these people in the top cut understood the assignment where they had to go, we we want blood and we're taking yours.
0: I think, couldn't put it better, they understood the assignment. Yeah, there was no room for error. Um, As I was saying, we, we were talking with some of these top players who, oh my God, they only did. I mean, There was no room for error whatsoever. And then... Uh, to, to score max points. So you just had to, like I said, a 70 point win wasn't
1: enough. So it was. So looking. So, as I said, I wanted to look over what Mike, happened to Mike Porter. So, Mike Porter from rounds one to five looks like he won his game, I think, if I'm understanding right, because you needed five at the top because what the math was. In round six, I think he was the one that got the bye for someone not showing up because he doesn't have an opponent listed for round six. Okay. But then round seven, he won against Nathan Whitbeard. And then round eight, the person that took him out. And you look at the score in reference to that. Vic obliterated Mike. a 100 to zero. So Vic. I saw the zero and I was like, is that, is that really what happened? So that's again, I don't know what happened. Um, it could be very much of anything because obviously we weren't there. And I think the joke is going around that the London GT didn't stream any of its games. It did not. So I know that's like, if the game wasn't, if the event wasn't streamed, did it actually happen? (laughs) (laughs) But yes, the only other thing I want to really cover here is the fact that, yes, Emperor's Children was the winning list, but you're seeing more creations of Bile coming into play, there's some like really random chaos space marine factions that people take but obviously emperor's children is is what it is and yeah literally looking at it it's every single flavor of chaos space marine that you can imagine so emperor's children has a whole bunch of noise and cultists and a master of possession apostle disco lord a brick of terminators with the black runes so they're minus one to wound and whatnot some possessed a venom crawler and then abaddon like i think the archetype for chaos space marines unless you're well versed in them has been found out it is abaddon plus whatever list you want to bring
0: <laughs> it does seem like the possessed are kind of an auto take as well as uh, and if you're taking auto uh, possessed you definitely need the master possessions and then these either terminator brick or shooty brick those seems to be pretty consistent and um like i'm not seeing cultist spam for sure, you
1: know I'm not. I'm seeing this is a pretty consistent recipe we're seeing all over and over again. Yeah, and the the Terminator brick can either be replaced, can either be Terminators, or it can be a ten man possessed brick. True, because the one advantage of Emperor's Children is everything automatically becomes Mark of Slaanesh, so they always fight first. So the Lord Discordant is going to favorably trade on the crackback, given that he doesn't get shot off the table by random high power guns and stuff, right. but your opponent charges, they have to be careful on what fight they choose, because then you're going to fight neck, never have to bother. Sp- that
0: adds up quite a bit. And uh, it's also gives you, Oh, you uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, kind of a safety net in terms of, I wasn't anticipating being charged or I didn't think he was going to make that charge. And all of a sudden, oh, that's okay. I'm still fighting first. I have a chance to, whittle down his numbers before he actually gets the swing so
1: yeah whereas creations of bile they don't innately become mark of slanesh you actually have to assign that so that might be some some theory crafting there like I know world eaters they'll all become mark of corn they will all become mark of corn that is actually really hard to say because that's a lot of k's (laughs) but they'll all become that for free I think I'm not well versed enough chaos space marines to know but I mean, it won an event and you, you can see his, his score trickled down very, very quickly Yeah, because <laughs> the last two rounds the 75 and a 74, he was running out of gas.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it is a slog
1: at this particular
0: event as well. I mean, it's multiple rounds and, and it's, I think it's hit right now, right out of gas is not an overstatement. It's just, it is a toll. So we'll see but it's also interesting you know Mike's um, will that be enough to get him get him further into the ITC top 10 we'll get into that towards the end of the show but um, overall yeah, it's um, Mike's been a top player for a long time and I think he recognized uh, this is a big stage and I need to perform today if I want to save my season mm-hmm. so
1: yeah, that's definitely. What we'll chat about towards the end once we actually go over the rankings because this is the home stretch this we are coming up to the last three months of play and there's not a lot of majors left so this is when people i if you're gonna make bets and you're gonna make fantasy this is when you would do it <laughs> yeah um uh, very impressive follow-up.
0: uh let's head over stateside then because thomas ogden who if you look at our expanded rankings is by far one of the most dominant players in 40 K currently, he had something to say about this, about letting the Britain top players take over the ITC top 10 and made an appearance at the Michigan GT. And how did that fan out for him?
1: Well, cutting it back to the top five, because there's, there's only a few other notable names in the top 10, like Steve Pamphrine is in the, yep. He's in the top 10. Um, he went 3-2, and two, but still scored so high that he came in 7th. That's impressive. Okay. But but the top five are Corey Stowicki with Harlequin, Manic Gudimani with Tyranid, Joe Bramuni with Goffs, Mr. Lanigan with Chaos, with Demons, so he moved away from his Thousand. And then, speaking of which, Thomas Ogden with Tau. So I think we're seeing a another trend because over the last few episodes if you guys hadn't noticed we talked about the team xenos petting zoo a lot where they just came crowding into the competitive world and you see a lot of them in the top portion of tables some of them are in droves at events well the team of death or glory which consists of Lanigan, ogden and the top six players that I listed five of six of. I think we're officially seeing the the birth of maybe an actual pro Warhammer league where we have, we currently have the Yankees. We currently have the Red Sox. We currently have the Dodgers. Like we have equivalents to these big teams in 40 where they show up. One of their players is most likely going to win the event.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking just going through the same standings uh, all the way down in 18th place as Anthony Hilla. I was like, I'm on the team too. I didn't do bad. <laughs>
1: yeah, they, they left behind Anthony and Kramer and Breton and Pete and Daniel and Garrett and Gil. <laughs> I'm still here, too. <laughs> oh, oh! In, in 22nd place, we have Sam Dayton. So there we go. So what's, th- what's yeah Thomas's list look like these days? Well, I'm going to take a stab at it. It's still two flyers and a bunch of crisis. Suits. Right, and a bunch of probably also a bunch of railgun
0: hammerheads let's take a look
1: so it is still taucept as he's been running so it is one brick of five bodyguards so five crisis suits a crew shaper cold star commander long strike man himself some carnivores one two three four five more crisis one two three four five all right 15 crisis suits are still there and yep the two sun shark bombers and shadow yeah. sun.
0: so he did forego the uh triple uh, Railgun, hammerheads, interesting. uh All of the crisis suits at burst cannon, cyclic ion blaster, and plasma rifle with target locks, and then with a usually one per unit with a shield generator. Just thinking, I I haven't played town so long. I forgot that they could take three weapons now and all the different loadouts. But that just gives you a ton of. Also remember, back in my day, Cy- cyclic ion blaster was a. Um, it was a relic, but anyway, um,
1: it's pretty wild stuff here. This I mean, just the amount of
0: redundancy in the list. I think
1: is probably the best way to describe it. Well, back when we saw Tau running around after the nerf to broadsides, after the some of the nerfs that they taken, people had settled on bringing fifteen crisis suits because it was pretty much the magic number. You never had to worry about the blast rule. They're each four wounds. You can give them shield generators, which for a while no one was doing because of the fact that there a lot of the AP that existed to shoot into them only killed maybe one or two at a time and at that point you would just see the drones. Now people are like, "Oh yeah, no. Um we need invuln saves." So the fact that between the shield drones, which each of them have at least, so the the not bodyguard unit have two shield drones each and then shield generators, that means you can easily tank invulns on the four forever until you roll a whole bunch of threes and then you but this is very much the i think this is the magic towel list at this point where crisis suits are super efficient for what they do and they they have enough firepower at flat three damage on stuff like um ion blasters and the plasma rifles and stuff like that to go i don't care how many wounds you have you're going to die yeah because of weight of dice,
0: yeah, it has a lot of a high quantity of high quality shots. You know, it's not all the you know strength, you know, strength eight, but it's a lot of strength six, a lot of two and three damage with a decent AP. Um, it just serves so many roles, and I'm like, okay, does this this work?
1: Yeah, and then as I always point out to you, the Sunshark shark bombers, your the flyers that you were super angry about all still the time, him. still am, still am, just just. But just, this also proves something else that a lot of people talk about the repetition with your list matters i have not seen thomas change his list his list from this after he played at atlantic city atlantic city i don't think he played the sunshark bombers i don't remember off the top of my head but ever since then i have not seen him change his list from what he's running right now So this man is getting so many reps with his list that he could potentially roll dice without looking at them and go, yeah, no, um, 12 shots, I hit you 10 times, I wound you 9 times. (laughs) Right. And not even care. Yep.
0: Now, repetition as well as knowing and then getting game time is in too. So that's, I mean, that's, he's been, this is going to be his 8th tournament win of the season. No other player in the IC top 10 has anywhere close to that, so... It's impressive. So he's uh, making a statement uh, with this particular win that I'm not going away, and um, the championship will go through his hands, I think, at one point, uh, assuming that he's showing up for
1: the LVO. Yep, yeah, I think at some point I might actually try to reach out to him to see if we can talk to him to kind of rack his brain a little yeah. bit, but that is that is a maybe plan and not a guarantee.
0: So uh, we have one other event to talk about north of the border, but I just want to make an honorable mention, as we kind of talked about this in the beginning of the game, uh, Crucible, which is one of the bigger and well-known established events in Florida, uh, managed to get the get the tournament in before the hurricane hit it. Um, so as I kind of joked before in the opening, if you throw a tournament in Florida, you might get the Art of War guys to show up. <laughs> And this used to be kind of like the who's who of the top players in Florida. It still is, just got some, you know, people from out of town who decided to move down to Florida.
1: Yeah, it is definitely a... Because the Art of War guys just happened to go and do stuff down in Florida, I don't know why Florida you could you could have picked anywhere else that doesn't get potentially hit by Hurricane. But, I mean, they do them. So I very much look at top five Of this event. And yeah, the only thing that kind of surprises me is Jack Harpster showing up with Dark Eldar and coming in third. Yeah, that
0: kind of blew me away a little bit. I was kind of like going, what?
1: (laughs) And the entire top 10, it's one Chaos Knight, single Loyalist, and one Chaos Space Marine, one Necron, one Chaos Chaos tau and then Tiernet. So it's not as exciting as I wish it was, but still congrats to everyone down there for being able to play an event and then get out of there before bad things happened.
0: One thing I did mention, John Lennon did win the event and uh, John did something similar to this where he went on a late tear. Is there enough time left in the season for him to make a significant splash at the ITC's rankings?
1: It would, it would have to be a string of events large enough for like, for instance, last year with Richard Siegler just waltzing in, dodging every single bullet that could slow him down from winning LVO to come in and take the IT just six events. It would have to be a string like that of where John goes to like seven or eight or even nine round events and gets perfect hundreds. every. That I think that's the kind of streak it would take.
0: Kind of crazy. I'm looking at Jax Harper's list here and it's like, I'm seeing a
1: lot of similarities.
0: <laughs> um but there's also some interesting tech in there as well. So it's like interesting. So,
1: yeah. But I think we're going to hop back on up to Canada. That's again.
0: right. Uh, the folks from Gunhammer decided to throw an event and they actually did so in, in Canada. Um, tr- one second here. Get exactly where in Canada, but. Um, in Winnipeg. Oh, there we go. Manitoba. So, which is actually, this is probably the best time of year to be there because you do not want to be there in December. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> All right, what's her top five look like yeah. there?
1: Well, top five, Casey Stengler with Tyranids, Corey Burns with Blood Angel, Frazier Perry with Harlequins, Darren Jack, duh, da Orcs, and then Riley Tremblay with Sister. Yeah, that's a really good
0: stuff. Uh, some of the top players uh, from from Canada m- making an appearance. A couple of the other guys um, showing up at the Michigan GT, but interesting, uh, sixth place Kyle Thompson with Harlequins. Uh, he's actually on the Goonhammer team, dropped his first game, but then ran the table going 5-0 after that, um, making quick stab there as well. But interesting to see once again, Sisters back on top, followed by Orcs, Harlequins, Blood Angels, and Nids. So a nice little mix of different factions.
1: Yep, and just taking scans over them, the Sisters one was the tried-and-true, here's Bloody Rose... Here is like 16 Repentia and a whole bunch of other good melee choppy killy stuff. And then the the Orc Detachment is a Brigade of Goff. So not all too often we get to see a Brigade. And no. how the heck did he fit all of this? So, Knob on Smash the Squig, Boss Zagstruck. I, that is the Storm Boy character, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah. Then a so War Boss. House, a weird <laughs> and then the Weird Boy. And then 10, 20, 30... 30 beast boys 10 regular boys that are truck 20 grots commando commando nine mega knob three six six squid hog boys 15 storm boys mech gun mech gun mech gun, mech gun truck and gas goal. how the heck did you fit all that in 2000 points <laughs> jesus orcs baby <laughs> yeah i know it's orcs i played I have them. It's still just like, how? How did you fit that many? I guess he decided to not bring the kill rigs because the kill rigs are huge, just bullet sponges. That's all I can think
0: of. I know in our
1: local area, it's like,
0: nobody leaves home without two of them, so.
1: Eh, play style maybe. I don't know because, oh, he was probably taking advantage of the update to Green Tide where you just need 10 orc models in any corner and now it includes Gretchen, but I digress. I can theory craft that all I want. So other than that, yeah, it's glad to see that there is still variety. Um, I mean, the top five here is representative of what our meta looks like, where stuff is mobile, and either it is incredibly tough to chew through, like Tyranids can be, or Bloody, and occasionally Harlequins because you know they dance with bullets all the time, or it is so it is so aggressive that it just gets across the table and it punches you and there's nothing in the case of bloody rose and probably blood angels and harlequins like the, the orc one is definitely more of a probably have to have players have to have higher knowledge of your army in order to pilot that properly.
0: so we've been teasing it all show long what is the to see top 10 after this big weekend But no further ado uh mike porter did get enough points from his performance at the lgt uh, landing him in 10th place. So the floor right now is 13.07 is to get into the top 10. Ennis Wilson, also present at the London GT, also did not make the cut. He was closer to the 180 mark there. He comes and falls down the 9th place. Nassim Foshain, uh who R- Robert mentioned, jumps to 8th place. John Lennon, with his win in Florida, jumps to 7th place. Manny Chima, with his performance at the LGT, drops to 6th. Thomas Ogden, uh, moves into the fifth place with the Michigan GT win. Colin McDade, once again, with another strong performance at a big show, launches himself all the way up to fourth place, breaking up the triumvirate of British players. David Gaylord comes in, in third. Jack Harpster, howling onto his LVO win, coming in second. And Vic Vijay making the statement by uh, doing so well at the LG GT. Uh, coming in first with 1,422 points. So there we are. Um, it's only a, tw- a quick math here. 12-point lead over Jack Harpster. Uh, easily surmountable. Actually, if you look at it, it's only... I think Mike might still have a little bit of room to, to grow because it's like 100, 115 points between him and Vic Vijay between 10th and first place. But uh, that top four... It's anyone's game at this point. I mean, there's there's only about fifty points between them.
1: Yeah, so it's definitely a scenario of top ten players, is there any more majors that happen in order for them to replace a score even higher that so getting three or four one hundreds in the jump up their score a little bit. And then obviously if they can be oh, I know probably all of the US bound guys are going to even though Mike Porter is bottom if he performs super well at it could potentially jump him up into the top place to take, the given the rest of the players don't perform super well.
0: It's yep. a good idea. Leonard GT, he came in eighth overall, 272 points awarded to him. Um, there's most of the GTs, and he's been attending get roughly about 210 points so that's an extra 60 points for that performance he didn't even win the event and he's still getting an extra 60 points so lvo is in your best interest moving forward absolutely
1: yeah so it's definitely at this point i really should feel like i'm just a sportscaster just like yeah no this and this and is like nah man it's a dice game anything can happen we can just watch all of like if Vic. For some reason, loses his first two rounds at LVO, and then David loses his first. That could literally change the entire landscape of who's going to actually take LVO. And
0: wasn't that long ago they had uh, Andrew Gagno and uh, Jeff Robinson in the first round at LVO. I mean, that just shook everything up. So you never know. So it's going to be so getting my sportscaster voice on. Uh, gotta stay tuned. It's going to be a great finish to the season. Which also means it's time to wrap up this particular episode. So, um, from all of us at uh, the Storm Podcast, my name is Eric. I'm Rob. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week.